This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest Royal Blue Podcast. As we uh, discussed the, another um, action-packed uh, Merseyside derby uh, at the weekend, weren't any uh, goals? Well, there was a goal, it didn't count in the end. For us to discuss, so there are plenty of talking points from that game as always. And um, your host Chris Beasley is joined today by um, our Everton writers Joe Thomas and Adam Jones, and by our regular guest Gavin Buckland. If I start with you, um, Joe, um, your first Goodison derby in, in, in your current um, position, um, Frank's as well, of course. Uh, first one for, for you both, and as, as ever, um, plenty of incidents, uh, if not any goals. Yeah, absolutely. First Goodison derby in the press room, but not in the not in the stands. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I thought it was well, it was definitely a really entertaining game. I think yeah. if you know, if I was an, if I was a neutral sat at home at half past twelve on Saturday morning, well, Saturday afternoon, I think I'd have mm-hmm. been really delighted with the with the ninety minutes that both sides served up. But uh, I think it was very much um, there were a lot of positives there for Everton. You know, Everton were competitive. This is a side that you know the contrast between now and say just the back end of April when these sides last met was just absolutely massive. Yeah. You know, back then, obviously, everything, but they'd just fallen into the relegation battle for the first time during that running after Burnley's win earlier. And then obviously the defeats of Liverpool cemented that, but it was very much a case that Frank Lampard could felt he could only do one thing in that game. And that was five at the back, concede a lot of possession, hope to hit Liverpool on the counter-attack. And whilst Everton did enjoy some success at that, obviously they held out for an hour. Anthony Gordon did have a couple of positive opportunities in the half, but he didn't quite create full chances with them. You know, it was very much felt like the writing was on the wall. It was a horrible derby to be approaching from the blue end and it just felt inevitable when Everton uh, did, did eventually concede. This time, you know, it couldn't have been further from that. Obviously, Frank continued this tactic from Leeds and went four at the back, which felt like a gamble. Obviously, Liverpool, I know they're going for their difficulties, but still one of the most potent attacks in in world football. So going four at the back felt like a little bit of a, you know, Lampard trying to take this onto the front fit, front foot, but it worked. They matched them. They played three in midfield and they really worked hard and, and, and created a game in which I think the two sides, despite, you know, the vast golf in, 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 where they were at just a couple of months ago and, and will probably be at over the course by the end of this season. They competed as equals for 90 minutes. You know, Everton can come out of that with a lot of pride. They fought really hard. And if they had a snatch to victory, it would, by no means would it have been a robbery. Yeah. And uh, Adam, you were, you were alongside uh, Joe for, for the action. I mean, w- were you pleased with what you saw? How satisfied were you coming out of that fiction? Oh, 100%. I was, I was, I was very pleased with uh, what I saw from Everton. Yeah. I think... Joe's quite right in what he said. I think, you know, a draw was probably a fair result given the balance of the game and the chances that both sides had. But, you know, if Everton had come out of that game uh, winning it, then you'd have thought to yourself, okay, well, they've not exactly snatched snatched a win out of the jaws of defeat or anything like that. You know, they had they had the uh, the opportunities to, to go and win the game. And I think there were certain points, you know, large portions of the match, I, I would say as well, where... Everton looked like the better team and they looked uh, the most likely to go on and win it. The middle portion of that second half, I think particularly when uh, Liverpool made a couple of substitutions and it seemed to throw off their rhythm a little bit and Everton capitalised on that uh, fairly well, bringing on a dresser guy for Tom Davis, who I thought actually played really, really well. 
Uh, but uh, I, I think Everton managed to capitalise on that well. That was when you know, the disallowed goal happened, uh, Mopay's chance, which he really should convert. Uh, but, you know, I, I think in general, you know, Everton took the game to Liverpool. I think it would have been easy for them to switch to something of a five at the back, you know, something that Lampard has trusted not only at the start of this season, but at the back end of last season as well. Probably would have been uh, the more low-risk sort of option, I suppose, to go with a, a five at the back. But instead, he kind of matched up Liverpool in terms of their formation. I think we had uh, a better balance in midfield in terms of the profiles of players that we had. Uh, we had high energy, pressing them from the front, forced them into mistakes, didn't give them enough time on the ball to try and impose the kind of style that they wanted. And on another day, Everton could have come out of that game with uh, with three points easily. The fact that Everton have come out of it with one point, you know, taking them up to four points from their first six Premier League games, you know, from from the outside looking in, you might think to yourself, well, that's not that's not the greatest start. But yeah, yeah the mood around Goodison Park, it was it was really, really promising to see. It's not as if Everton were celebrating a draw because there was still a, a, a certain amount of disappointment that Everton didn't win that game. But the fact that Everton can say that, as Joe says, just a couple of months after you know going to Anfield, sitting back, well, very far, very far back, uh, getting quite comfortably beaten in the end uh, by by the better team on uh, on that occasion. To this now, to actually taking the game to them, going blow for blow with Liverpool, playing the game in our in our own sort of way, of course, but you know, nearly coming away uh, with what would have been actually quite a deserved victory. I think. You know the, the disparity between those two games is really, really promising for supporters to see, and you know supporters can see and now look ahead towards the bigger picture. So yeah, I think there's there's a lot, a lot of positives to uh, to be looking at from that game. Yeah, and Gav, I mean, I've just been speaking to Michael Ball for his column, and he said that too many derbies in recent years, Evertonians gone away disappointed because they've not been good enough. This time he said, okay, it's ifs and buts, but he's disappointed not to have come away with the with the three points. I mean, was that a similar overriding emotion for you? What's your take on it? I think both teams could say they were disappointed not to take yeah. away three points, couldn't they, really? Um, Liverpool will point to Pickford play, you know, saving, was eight, eight was it? Eight saves. Uh, Everton could point to... Um, three or four really good opportunities, especially in the second half and the disallowed goal. Yeah, I mean, I think the two things is competing, which we've not necessarily done in derby matches yeah. over the last 10, 20, 30 years for the start. That was that was the big thing for me. We can we were competitive. Yeah. Um, I think also with that, when we did the podcast on Friday, we were talking about Everton's transfer strategy about having it. A cohe, you know, having a cohesion and, and and a plan behind it, and you saw that on the pitch on Saturday as well. You saw a team that was set up well, where everybody appeared to know the roles. But bear in mind, there's a couple of new players in there as well, and as a consequence, we were very we were difficult to break down, especially in, in the first half where we just we just sat deep, but then we broke, and we broke away effectively in the second half as well. So I'm not I'm not disappointed that we didn't get three points, but I'm very pleased that we got a point and we're very, as I say, very competitive. We stayed in the game against, let's face it, against the team. I know Liverpool have the problems, but the previous Saturday they won nine 0 hadn't they? So um, 
not exactly playing with all due respect to League Two side here, are we? Um, yeah, so no, I'm not disappointed. I'm, I'm disappointed maybe we didn't take a couple of chances, but over the overall scheme of things, it was a point well earned. And, and just to say, it was a great game, by the way, as goal as, goal as draws go. That's as good as what I've ever seen at Goodison. I mean, th- th- I think 37 attempts on goal. That's probably the what two attempts on goal in derby matches in the entire 1970s, in my recollection. <laughs> <laughs> and occasionally got the odd shot, shot on target, you know. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was a, it was a great game, end to end. When both goalkeepers have played really well, you know you've seen a good good match, and that was the case on on Saturday. So as as a sort of neutral, as it were, great game. But said not disappointed not to take three points. Yeah, Joe. I mean, what a moment that could have been for for Connor Cody for a couple of minutes. Um, you thought he'd written himself into Merseyside derby folklore, there, not not just making his first derby pace for Everton, local lad, former Liverpool player, and he had the ball in, in the Liverpool net. I mean, ultimately it, it didn't count, but I mean, it, 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 it could have been a, such a special moment for him. When Conor Cody signed for Everton, one of the big stories was, you know, where his allegiance was lie. Just like we had Agent Rafa, it was very much a lot yeah. of people saying that oh, it's going to be it's going to be Agent Cody. Obviously, he's a he's a Merseyside lad that came up through through Liverpool's youth system. I think if anybody had any doubts over where Conor Cody's personal ambitions and allegiances hmm. lie now, just uh, they just need to go and have a little look at the way he celebrated what he thought was the. Was the goal there because it was? Yeah. They were very, they were very emphatic. You know, I think he he bristled at people questioning his professionalism when that topic came up when he first signed. And you know, yeah. I can completely understand why why you would do that. And you know, it clearly looked as though that goal had meant the world to him. Obviously, it wasn't to be at the end of the day, but you know, there's a very very fine fine margin. But I think uh, yeah, he comes so close, so close to writing writing himself into Merseyside derby folklore. It was a bit of a shame it didn't it didn't it didn't count. But I also think that and Lampard said this after the game as well. And I think probably quite a few of us in the media box were the same. Where that type of goal, I think, and with it being Everton as well, and the way that the chips tend to fall for for Everton, kind of my first uh, my my first instinct was to just wait and see whether or not there was yeah. going to be a reason why it could be chalked off because <laughs> the way the way it works at the minute, you know, you, you see Damari Gray at Leeds and that as well. It just it always feels like if there's a, if there's a, if there's a reason if there's going to be a reason to not let the goal count then at the minute for Everton it's probably going to get ruled out so that's not to say the offside was was necessarily incorrect albeit close but uh, but yeah it's, I I wasn't going to celebrate or wasn't going to start writing and it was one nil until yeah. until the game kicked off I think yeah and uh, Adam means another Goodison uh, derby debutant just debutant full stop Neil Mope I mean. Mm-hmm. What was your assessment of how he played? Obviously, he had the big chance there, didn't quite um, come up for him, but I mean, he did offer Everton something different up there, didn't he? A hundred percent. And he, he kind of summed up what I was talking about in the last couple of weeks of the transfer window in that Everton needed a focal point up front, but focal point doesn't necessarily mean target man. Yeah. And I feel like people often got got those sort of things confused. Like it, people, people thought that because I was saying focal point, I just meant somebody to hold it up yeah. and just hoof it up to sort of thing. That's that's not necessarily what I meant. And that's and that's what I think Neil Mopay brought to the side. Now obviously I think he's going to improve over the next couple of weeks. Uh, he had a few games in preseason for Brighton, but he hasn't actually he didn't actually play a Premier League 
minute for them before he joined Everton. So, you know, his match fitness probably uh, wasn't at the best it could have been, but you, know, you, you, <laughs> you wouldn't have known that in the first half, particularly. Yeah. Uh, he was darting about absolutely everywhere. He brought that real energy, that, that sort of, you know, I was talking to Michael Ball last week and he said mm-hmm. he wanted Mopé to have this sort of sort of nasty little edge to him. And I think that's what, you know, Everton have been missing a little bit over recent years, particularly. And he did have a little bit of that needle to him, you know, putting putting his body into a couple of challenges, letting okay. defenders know that he's there sort of thing. And, you know, he was getting himself into those areas in and around the box that Evertonians have been desperate to see their strikers take up. Uh, He had more key passes than anybody else in the match with four key passes. He covered the most distance than anybody else in the match. He had a bit of a half chance in the opening 10 minutes where, you know, it was, it was a tough one on the turn and he, and he dragged it wide, but that was a nice little opener for him, I suppose. And then he had that big opportunity, uh, obviously in the second half, which I think he'll have gone home and known that he, should have converted. I think everybody yeah. knows he should have converted it. But it was interesting to hear Frank Lampard talk about that after the game as well and say, I'm not really concerned about him missing that chance. Obviously, it's disappointing in the moment, but yeah. it doesn't necessarily point to what his season is going to be like. If he's getting into those areas, those those goal, goals will come for him, which you know I think Frank Lampard is absolutely right. And there were a couple of moments, uh, especially in the second half, where... I think if Everton, like if Everton's other players have made some better decisions, they could have found him in a, more of those sort of areas in the box. But they've only had a few days to work together, so you can understand why they've maybe not picked up his runs or you know read where he's gonna gonna go to sort of thing. So in general, I thought it was a it was a really really positive debut performance from him, especially in given the fact that you know I I was most concerned about his match fitness. He came through. He came through 90 minutes, covered the most distance on the pitch. I certainly shouldn't have been worried in that sense. So give him a bit more time to, you know, learn the patterns of the team and, you know, get it, get a bit more of a relationship with people like Anthony Gordon and Damari Gray. Then I think he could be real, real asset to Everton in the uh, coming weeks and months. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Now, Gav, the disallowed goal wasn't the only contentious point with no, the no. green decisions. Um, Virgil van Dijk was uh, was involved in, in a certain challenge, and there's been yeah. um, a fair bit of discussion of whether um, justice was was dished out or, or not with that one. Uh, I, I, I understand you're not entirely satisfied with the way that one. <laughs> I feel like he's about to get like, a big whiteboard out. He's just going to yeah. roll it behind him, and he's got diagrams on it, and he's like. Hey, <laughs> It is why this is wrong. No, I, I sound like that type of person I do would do that. Well, if you know, if you're right. Um, if I had a pen and sword on the wall in this house, yeah, it was. Uh, I hope you got the bleep machine on there yeah. as well. Um, I just thought it was a straight as I, yeah. I thought the referee, I thought the referee bottled it. Um, and I've spoken before on here about refereeing decisions being based around consequences mm-hmm. and consequences that they want to avoid making a decision that brings them scrutiny. More often than not, that, that affects, those are the ones that affects the big six clubs. As we saw with Rodri's handball at Man City, the Man City game of Goodson last year. Yeah. And I think if that's any, another team there, say at our level below, that player's going. Because it's Van Dijk in a derby match, he stays on the pitch. 
And just for balance, in the same way as Harry Kane stayed on the pitch against Liverpool last year, just before Christmas, because he was the England skipper. Um, and Taylor was very quick to get the yellow card out. Um, and I was disappointed there was nothing to to around the VAR aspect to it. Like, you know, Alan last year against uh, Newcastle. Yeah. And it's, it's quite clearly a red card. No, no point does he attempt to play the ball. And this nonsense that Peter Walton was saying on BT Sport that, you know, it's a red card if you if you collide above the foot. But he, he hits his shin, but then the main impact's on his foot. It's like telling Onana that, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, he, he quite clearly has two bites at him. When he's not even looking at the ball, Van Dyke. The ball has gone two, two yards away by the time there's an impact. He gets him on the shin, then decides, I'll do your foot as well. And that's a straight red. And it's not, it's not even, um, and it, it's violent conduct for me. And I think it was just straight. And you've heard people saying it's an orange card. An orange card for me yeah. Is, yeah. is basically <laughs> a red card if you're not in the top six and, and a yellow card if you're in the top six. That's what it yeah. is because you're scared to give a decision against the top six club. We saw that again on Saturday and it infuriates me, um, obviously. And I just think, it was just, and, and I think, you know, where the root of it was, about two minutes before, Anana had done that pirouette, didn't he? In, in the centre circle where he took the mickey, I don't know, was it, was it uh, Robertson? And I'm just wondering whether Van Dyke saw that and thought, uh, I'm going, you know, going to, so the defenders don't like that, do they? And yeah. I just thought maybe that was something to do with it. But it was, it was an obvious red card, and some of the punditry around it was, was really poor over yeah. the weekend, but they're just avoiding making a big call. Yeah, very I mean, um, hard for me. Yeah, just stick with you, Gav. I mean, because it's a similar point. Um, because, like you say, is it who it is and what the consequences are? Because I'm sure Evertonians don't need reminding. Um, there was the, obviously the incident where Van Dyke was injured by injured by Pickford, and um, obviously all the outcry that came after that. But then it's often um, sort of overlooked that the fact that. Van Dijk had actually gone in hard on a couple of Everton players before that had happened in that derby. It was an empty Goodison Park that day because of COVID restrictions. I think he went through the back of Calvert-Lewin, through James Rodriguez, which uh, Carlo Ancelotti obviously made yeah. a thing about. And, and that, um, he, he does have form for this in, in these kind of matches. Yeah, yeah. And and as Frank said afterwards, he's, he's a great player. I mean, the Pickford mm. one was never sending off. He was obviously... If you're playing the ball, because the whistle had gone, hadn't it? I don't want to talk about this in but it's, it's relevant to the conversation. The whistle had gone for offside. So the only way you can be, get a red card after the whistle's gone, if you're filed in conduct, but you're not challenging for the ball. Pickford was clearly challenging for the ball, albeit it was clumsy. Um, so the Pickford one wasn't a red card. He, he got away with it. Uh, Ivan's like, yeah, he has that in him, perhaps. And when you look at it, He's not looking at the ball. I mean, mm-hmm. on the television, he was saying, oh, he was trying to block the tackle, you know, block the ball with the tackle and stuff. That. No, he wasn't. The ball was well gone by the time he he, he, he lamps him. And it was just, again, I speak about this a lot. I was speaking about it last night. Mm-hmm. It's consequences of, the deci- of your decision if you're a referee. If you're a referee, what you don't want to do is make a controversial decision that involves a big six club, and especially if it's their tal- talisman or captain. Mm-hmm. And um, and you saw that in full effect for me on, on, on Saturday. And it was disappointed that I didn't even go to VAR as well. And the, some of the pundits that came afterwards was was particularly poor and, and avoided the big question for me. Yeah. And it was just a, that was the one disappointing thing of what I thought was a, an excellent 
excellent 90 minutes from, from both teams. Yeah. Um, Joe, it's obviously something you're aware of as well. You've already mentioned today, you know, when the Everton disallowed goal, you know, that, that the way the chips fall, I think it was the phrase used for Everton. Um, so um, it, it's an obvious, obviously thing with last season's derby match at Anfield. Frank Lampard got into trouble with comments he made about an Anthony Gordon getting not getting the penalty and whether it been Mohamed Salah down the, the, the other end, uh, whether it's Everton and or Liverpool and or whoever from the so-called big six clubs. Um, that the, the does there seem to be a discrepancy in these sort of uh, incidents? Yeah, well, Gav just alluded to it then, didn't he? You know, I think, um, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just a, an obvious red card to me. I think it's quite a nasty tackle. That's not me saying that, Van Dyke isn't a wonderful world class player, but he's a nasty person. That's just me saying that yeah. incident is a you know it's a it's a really, really bad tackle. I just don't understand how it just didn't see a straight red card. He catches him, you know, he goes above the ball, you know, he catches him on the shin initially. That could so easily have caused Anana some some real, real damage. Luckily it didn't, but that doesn't mean it's still not a serious challenge. Lampard in the post match was very much uh, the same in the kind of and this was explaining. This was explaining his reaction to the Cody goal, as I did a minute ago, where he just said he, his first assumption was be they'd find a way for it to not count because that's just the way that everything seems to fall for him and everything at the moment. I think he's kind of got a point. Yeah, you know, I, I don't. One thing that you often have that saying where it's almost it's better to be a lucky manager than a good manager. Uh, and, and I think at the very the, the, the first six or seven months of his time at Everton, I don't think Lampard's had much luck. I mean, people from the outside will talk about things like the Palace comeback and, and some of the results during the relegation running as lucky. They weren't, they weren't lucky. And that wasn't karma coming back to help Everton in any of those big games. If anything, it was a, you know, it was, it was incredible. Everton kept overcoming the bad luck that was coming their way with injury after injury after injury. Or, you know, you look at Brentford when, you know, the, the move that could have that ended up seeing Jared Brentford, Brentford getting sent off because so easily been a penalty to Richarlison. You look at Everton and then go 2-1 up and, and the uh, the Brentford lad gives away the penalty, surely if he received a second yellow card. You even look at the Palace match and you think Jordan Ayew, before he scores the second uh, goal for Palace, I still got no idea how he didn't get a red card for the tackle on Anthony Gordon. Um, and then obviously you go back even further and, and, and I think one thing that everyone, whilst whilst you might find anybody who will say it's a definitive, it was, it was a clear and obvious penalty on Anthony Gordon from Joel Massif in the derby Anfield. It was definitely a, a decision that could have gone either way and didn't go Everton's way. And then obviously you, you, you then look at things like the Rodri handball and that as well. You know, he hasn't had much luck at the moment. And, and I feel like something's got to give sooner or later. We saw Nottingham Forest have got their win from that game against West Ham where West Ham missed a penalty, hit the underside of the woodwork twice, had a goal disallowed. And then Nottingham Forest winner came from a scuffed shot that deflected off uh, the striker's knee and went in, just waiting for a moment like that for forever, and just think something like you know something like that's got to be on its way just to turn the tide a little bit. Hopefully, it'll be on Sunday against against Arsenal because surely he's storing up some credit in the bank. It was it was a red card for me. That was I, I still don't understand why it wasn't. Can I just add, by the way, to to the discussion? If you turn somebody off a of violent conduct, it doesn't necessarily have to be on the basis of what actually happened. It's what could have happened. Yeah. So that's why Alan was sent off. I mean, I, I argued the point back. I don't stand by Alan got sent off at Newcastle against Newcastle because he could have could could have done some serious damage to Sam Maximan because of the speed he was travelling. Fortunately, he didn't. And that, and that's that's what you take into account for a violent conduct red card. And if that 
if Van Dyke's foot had been an inch higher, or it could have been a really, you know, above the shin pads, it could have been an even worse um, scenario. So you also have to take that into account. And, and on, based on all those factors, it was a clear red card, and and it was a it was a it was again a referee avoiding making a big decision because of the consequences. Well, Adam, you have to have had their say. Um, if if we were playing at the pits, I'm not sure how that would have yeah. gone down. But um, in the Premier League, <laughs> is, 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 is that a red card for you? If we were playing at the pits, there'd be there'd be punches thrown. <laughs> somebody somebody would walk off the pitch. Mm-hmm. Then there'd be somebody getting kicked out of the WhatsApp group as well. Like it'd just be it'd, it'd just be awful. But uh, yeah, the, the, I don't think there's anything more checking out. But rather than what the lads have already said, I think it's a blatant red card. Uh, like. Weirdly watching referee watch on a Sky Sports before you could see Dermot Gallagher talking about it. Now I think I think that show is completely pointless anyway because Dermot Gallagher just agrees with whatever the referee uh, has given. Yeah. So he never offers any actual insight into what a referee should or shouldn't do. And I think he was a you know a very questionable referee even when he was a referee anyway. So I'm, I'm not sure what what uh, what weight his opinion holds, but of course he was saying, oh yeah, it, it should be a yellow card. But the, the reason he was given that, that it should be a yellow card is he was saying uh, the the main impact was on the top of the foot, so it's only a yellow card. And I was thinking to myself, what do you want about? <laughs> if the main impact on the top of the foot, he could have broken his foot, he could have broken his ankle. How is that not? How is that not justification for a red card rather than a yellow? I just think if the, like, you know, I, I think Frank Frank Lampard would have loved to have said in his post match press conference if that tackle was the other way around, Onana's <laughs> getting sent off. Like because that, that, that's what we that's what we all know is the case. Like if yeah. that tackle is the other way around, Onana is getting that straight red card, and he'll probably get like an even bigger ban from the FA for something or other <laughs> along, along with it. So it, it, it's I just think it's absolutely ridiculous that you know not only the fact that it, it hasn't been given as a red card but you know as gab like alluded to before the punditry afterwards has just been you know washing washing over the top of it as well just not, not really looking into it at all now i know there's been a lot of bad var decisions this weekend you know yeah. newcastle's one you know the chelsea west ham one yeah I, I understand there have been you know equally dreadful var decisions this weekend as well but that still should have been a red card, and I, th- and I think the fact that you know it, it's just getting ignored widely, widely is just that just add, adds the little bit of extra frustration for me because yeah. you know it's it's not as if I want another apology from the Premier League yeah. or, or anything like that, but you know just some sort of <laughs> some sort of realization that we're not all just going mad would be <laughs> would be would be quite nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just just to clarify the. the it, apparently, the guidance of referees is if if you if your impact is above the foot, i.e. the shin, then it's a red card. If it's the foot, it's a yellow card. And right. Walton on on Saturday was arguing that the impact, the, the initial in, the impact, as you say, they had was on the foot. But actually, yeah. I looked at it. The impact's on the shin. He, he, does, yeah. he does the, yeah. the, the shin, and as you say, the top of the foot. He just just doesn't do the foot. And it was just the whole. He ends up. Walton ended up arguing against himself, really. And um, yeah, it's a nonsense. Um, that have a terrible weekend for referees again. And uh, you know, ironically, they're talking about VAR, and probably one of you can throw into that the worst VAR decision I wasn't taking was not to use VAR at Goodison. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Joe, um, 
you've mentioned already like um, Everton just needing that sort of uh, almost coming in off a goal going in off somebody's backside or something like that to, to, to turn the tide. I suppose people, like you say, will they'll look on this on the outside and say, oh, no, Everton still haven't um, won a game. But I think all, certainly the vast majority of Blues who've been watching the games can see the progress, can see the journey that Everton are on here. And it's, it's, it just seems to be a, a positive line that they're, they're following. And you're not overly concerned and as frustrating as it is to be, you know, um, six games in now, still without a victory, that that, that that first win hasn't come yet. I'm not not overly concerned. No, obviously, I think we'd all be much happier if they'd already caught it, but they yeah. don't. Um, and it's, you know, they've got Arsenal away on Sunday, which is going to be yeah. a difficult game. Obviously, the longer it goes on, the more pressure there is on the games to then come up. I think they've got West Ham and, and Southampton and, you know, West Ham are going to be in a similar position to Everton, like at that stage where they're going to probably be looking for a much needed victory. And, you know, Southampton, another one of those sides that they're going to be, you know, we were hoping, I think, would be below Everton come the end of the season and they may well be. Um, so, I mean, the, the longer it goes on, the, the more of an issue it becomes. But it's not an issue for me at the moment. I think, mm. you know, that's, that's, that's what four draws four draws in a row. I think, um, you know, I think Everton have, you know, the, the progress is clear. It's clear what Frank's trying to do there. And obviously what we have had is, and a lot of people, you know, Frank has constantly talk, spoken about this, is the fact that the transfer window continued so late into the season that there was always going to be an element of just uncertainty for the first few weeks and then things will settle down. I think, you know, I, I think Everton are making progress. I don't think there's any doubt about that. The, probably the, the question that we'll have a much better idea of the answer to will probably come in you know a week or two after the international break when we see you know what rate of progress are ever what's the rate of progress that Everton are making in comparison to the other teams around them because obviously Everton can get better but still end up in a rele- Everton can be better than they were last season but still be in a relegation battle if some of the other teams also improve and you look at the likes of Southampton and Leeds have probably had better starts than we perhaps expected. Uh, and then you look at Nottingham Forest and, I mean, that could go one or two ways. We don't know, it, but they've yeah. spent enough money and brought enough new players in for there to be talent in that squad to get the results where they need it. Even Bournemouth, as, as questionable as their start to the season has been, they still picked up two wins now, which obviously, you know, Everton hasn't. And I'm confident Everton will finish above Bournemouth this season, but... Other teams are picking up those wins, and the teams that are around Everton at the moment are struggling. You know, the likes of, of uh, the likes of, of Leicester and Villa and West Ham. Well, they start from a higher foundation than Everton did last season, so you know you you wouldn't want them to be the teams that you rely on Everton finishing above because you know that there's a degree of quality and you know a lot of money has been spent on those squads as well that, that could come good at any time. So I, I I have no concern at the moment. I think Everton look like they're making. Progress, and I think that that I think the, the the speed of progress will quicken as players get match fitness, as players get used to playing with each other. I think the big question for Everton, probably between now and Christmas, is going to be what's the impact of Dominic Calvert Lewin coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, Neil Mope can score goals at Premier League level. You know, he's, he's got double figures once. He's got eight, eight, and ten. I think for for Brighton. That probably wouldn't. That might not be enough for Everton to have a, a really safe season if it's just that and a little bit of a contribution from midfield. 
if he's getting six, seven, eight, and Calvert Lewin scoring eleven or twelve, then or more, then then obviously Everton should be fine. But yeah, you know, the question going into the last day of the transfer window was whether or not they needed or could get hold of another forward. They didn't do that. They're probably in a position where, unless someone becomes a lot more ruthless than they have been in the past, Andy Gordon has shown a clinical edge in the opening games this season already, then you know they're, they're probably a little bit reliant on Dominic Lewin coming back, getting back to fitness quickly and scoring goals quickly. But, you know, I, I think we're, we're a long way. I mean, you, know, you look at some of the reports from you know, some of the people that are looking for me outside in and saying, oh, you know, no win in six, Arsenal to come, Lampard must be under, under a lot of pressure. He's not. We're, we're, we're a hell of a long way, I think, from, from Lampard being under any real serious threat. And to be perfectly honest, I don't think we'll get there because I think Everton will, will get the results in the meantime. And whilst they haven't had the win yet, the performances are definitely improved. There's a vision, there's a strategy you can see. And the nice thing about Leeds and then Liverpool was, OK, Everton didn't get the win, but they competed in games and they competed. They competed. And although they didn't win, they didn't lose against reasonably decent sides whilst not just going into an ultra-defensive mode like they had to the end of last season. You know, they got to those results, the nil-nil and the 1-1, by actually playing a lot more progressive football, by playing four at the back and, you know, by showing that they can cause problems on the, you know, going forward themselves. It feels like they, it feels like they've moved the, the game, you know, 10, 15 yards further up the pitch than where it was for the last six, seven weeks of last season. So it's, it's you know, there's, there's, it's building, there's progress there. It's more entertaining to watch feel like Everton are more dangerous going forward and more solid at the back. So I think I think the improvements will I think the points will come before the pressure gets too serious on on Lampard. The Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Adam, it does seem to be this discrepancy doesn't it between outsiders looking in and what Evertonians are seeing and as somebody who's obviously on, on the latter of, the, of those two camps, um, you, you're feeling confident that um, things will, will improve sufficiently from, from, from what you've seen. It, it does seem to be, you know, you know, it's very steady progress, and you know, it's no could be no great leaps here, but uh, they are moving in the right direction. Hundred percent, and yeah. you know, it's, as Evertonians, you know, it, it's not the first time that they will have felt the. The outside footballing world doesn't exactly line up with yeah. how they feel about their club, and you know I, I think Evertonians will just be happy to ignore what everybody else thinks yeah. about how Frank Lampard's doing, and they'll come to their own sort of judgments. And as I said previously, the the overwhelming majority of people after that game against Liverpool will have been very very positive about what they saw on the pitch because. As you've quite rightly said, there have been you know slight improvements at yeah. the minute, you know, slow, steady improvements. But I think that's what Everton realistically needed. You know, you couldn't you couldn't have expected it to be, you know, streets ahead and majorly different from the end of last season. Yeah. It needed to be this sort of slow build. Uh, we've seen it from the back uh, forwards so far this season. So you know, defensively now, I would say Everton are looking really solid. I think there's only three sides in the Premier League right now have conceded less goals than Everton so far this season, which is you know a testament to just how well uh, the likes of James Tarkovsky and Connor Cody have done once they've come into the side. And then, you know, how well Jordan Pickford's done, how well uh, the two young lads at fullback are doing as well, Nathan Patterson, Vitaly Michalenko. 
especially at the weekend, the pair of them were absolutely fantastic. I thought, I think Michelenko's performance particularly is maybe going a little bit under the radar, considering he kept Mo Salah quiet for the majority of those 90-odd, whatever whatever minutes it was. And then, you know, in the closing days of the transfer window, we've seen some improvements made to the midfield as well. Idris Agai, I've got no doubt, will be will have a major sort of impact on that midfield. He showed in that half an hour that you know, he's hardly he's hardly missed a step in the three years that he'd yeah. uh, that he'd been away from the club. It just he just seemed to slot back into the team as if he'd as if he'd never left. I'm really excited by the prospect of James Garner. Uh, it's obviously going to take a little bit of time for him to maybe integrate into the into the team. He's still only quite young, but Amadou you know, Onana's only quite young yeah. as well. And look how well he's managed to adapt to the team right now. So, you know, I think there's a lot of positive signs to be had in the midfield as well. I just think the the profiles of players that we've got in that area of the pitch paired with the system that we've seen against Liverpool and Leeds, I just think that that is already a much better platform to build on for the rest of the season than we did at the end of last season when it just seemed very reactive, just get the the minimum amount of points, just get us just get us safe sort of thing. And then obviously up front there's there's a lot more questions to be had, I think. You know, we've talked about Mope and, you know, the potential fitness of Dominic Calvert Lewin and where are the goals going to come from? You know, that that's that's something that still will need to be addressed. And I, th- I think, you know, maybe the look at it in the January transfer window, maybe Calvert-Lewin comes back and scores loads. Maybe Mopay scores loads before, uh, before the World Cup and they won't need to move in the January transfer window. But I do just think there's so much, there's so many positives to, that you can focus on uh, right at this point. Even if, you know, performances aren't perfect, there's still little individual errors that need to be ironed out. There's maybe errors in the system that need to be ironed out as well. But looking at the difference in performances from what Everton were producing towards the back end of last season and the back and you know the start of this season, you can see where the vision is and you can see a sort of long term project, even if it's just from from now until the end of the season, you can see where those aims are coming from. And I think that's testament not just to Frank Lampard and his coaching staff, mm-hmm. but with the wider changes that have happened, you know, with the likes of Kevin Thelwell as well, you know, it's it's really it's really important to be able to see those changes and, you know, in, in a similar way that Lampard wasn't worried about Mopay missing that chance because the goals will come. I'm not necessarily concerned about Everton not having a win under their belt yet because these performances have shown to me those wins, well, a league win, sorry. Those those league wins yeah. will come if they if they keep performing as well as they did against Liverpool. The the you know there's no doubt that, that those wins will come. It might not come against Arsenal, the Emirates, of course, because that's been a notoriously difficult yeah. place for Everton to travel. Uh, but you know even if it doesn't, I've got no doubt that Everton will be able to produce those wins soon. And you know they they've got a really really good solid core to be able to to build around now which is really promising to see yeah and, and finally gab i mean you obviously venting your spleen earlier but i'd like to end on a on a more positive note if, if it is going to be an improvement from everton i mean evertonians love a, a charismatic um character out there and it was a first um goodison start for amadou anani you've already mentioned that that pirouette that yeah. he, he pulled off i mean frank's called called for caution with him which is understandable he's a young, young boy learning his way in, in English football, but just 
so much potential there. And I think that sort of brings an excitement that you, you don't get with many Everton signings. That he, he is he does offer something a bit extra there. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I'd say about our start is I think we've only yeah. conceded, picked up an Adams point, is it five non-penalty goals in six games? Right. Which considering we've we conceded 68 goals in 38 matches, that's massive progress defensively, isn't it? So once you've got that base, you can kick on from there. So as soon as we start scoring goals, we'll, we'll win more than we'll lose, I think, to be honest with you. Yeah. But back to Anana, yeah, he's uh, box office and bo- box to boxes, Joe would uh, say. Um Needs to copyright that uh, quote, by the way. Yeah, love him. He's you know since he made that little cameo against Villa, uh, I've not. That's the first ninety minutes I've seen him play. Yeah, and he's playing against Liverpool and the occasion and all the pressure that goes with it. Plus, we're not in a great position ourselves. I've just been talking about. I thought he was exceptional on 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 Saturday uh, in terms of getting around the pitch, using the ball intelligently. I love those. It's not really a tackle he does. He just sort of stretches his leg, doesn't he? He just sort of the ball away, doesn't he? He doesn't physically challenge anybody. He just sort of sticks his leg out about 10 foot and, and knocks <laughs> the ball away. And I, I thought he was uh, I thought he was tremendous on, on Saturday. And I know we've not spoken about individuals, but just to widen it out, I, I thought we played well on Saturday and it's the first Evan game I remember for a long time where he could have come out and ask for a bit like I did, ask five different people about who you thought the Everton man of the match was and got five different answers. Yeah. And this discussion, what we're just having there, that I think that informs that discussion about like our direction of travel at the moment. If you're coming yeah. out of the game and you've got five or six players, you could genuinely be our man of the match, then you're going in the right direction. Onana was one of them, Awobi was another. Uh, the two full backs, as just said, Cody. And obviously, Pickford was fantastic, wasn't he, really? And I don't use that word very often to describe a player's performance, but he was he was fantastic. But Anani, yeah, he's uh, he's top class. And I, I, I'm just thinking, it's obviously not going to happen. We debated like £31 million as a bit of a gamble, but he obviously said that we must have a lot of trust in him. I think he looks more than a £30 million player at the moment, doesn't he? Yeah. Already. Yeah. After, after four or five games. Far, far, you know, it, it's... that. That is as good, you know, and it's early days and now and stuff like that. But if you see his character and you see his ability or um, intelligence off the pitch as well, then I think we, he, we've got a player who can do well for us for several years, I think, and beyond. Let's hope so. And so I, I, I would argue that other than Nottingham Forest, possibly they've all been positive points so far for, for Everton this season. So... Hopefully, uh, plenty to look forward to before we return to you uh, later in the week to be previewing um, the trip to Arsenal. So, uh, this has been the Royal Blue Podcast. Um, I've been your host, Chris Beasley, been joined by Joe Thomas, Adam Jones and Gavin Buckler. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.